Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to Energy Speaks Back. My name is Paul Webb. I'm the founder of B2B Energy, and I'm also your host today of Energy Speaks Back. We'd like to thank our sponsors today, B2B Energy and Clean Energy Revolution. And if you'd like to know more about Clean Energy Revolution, please type in hashtag Clean Energy Revolution on any social media. We'd also like to welcome our partners today, Esther Energy. Weekly, I interview energy experts from around the world. Welcome to episode 42. And today, once again, I find myself in Nigeria. And the purpose, as always, is to provide a good understanding of energy management knowledge from around the world, which is available today for us to deliver savings that impact on our planet. My guest this week is a highly dedicated legal practitioner and an excellent leader. So without any further ado, I give you Nenritwa Gotutok. Good evening, Nenritwa. How are you today? Yeah, good evening, Paul. I'm very well, thank you. How are you over there? Yes, very good as well. And bizarrely, I'm in the new, I'm in the UK, and then you're in Nigeria, and we're both in the time same time zone. So that's uh, an interesting fact, considering we're many, many miles away. Very interesting. I actually checked to convert the time zone, and I just discovered um, it's just the same thing, the same time, and it's quite interesting. We must be, though we have many miles, must be sort of uh, in line with each other. So that's uh, quite amazing. Um, but what is the temperature there? Um, the temperature here is about, let's say, um, 27, 28, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Still considerably quite high and a lot higher than we are in the UK today. It's 21. But we have had a beautiful day today. Has it been a good day yeah. today? Yeah, it's been a great day today. I just um, did some study and then I got ready for this podcast. I didn't do much. Brilliant. Okay, I'm glad you're nice and relaxed, ready for today's challenge then. So then, Ritwa, um, we've been chatting on LinkedIn and we've actually done some clubhouse work together as well, haven't we? Um, yeah. Over the last couple of weeks. So it'd be really good for you to um, give us your background today for the audience. Okay, um, I am Nenritma Gotutok. I am from um, Nigeria and uh, Plateau State. I am an energy lawyer. I actually am a lawyer and then I specialize in energy law when I went for my master's in Center for Petroleum, Energy Economics and Law, University of Ibadan. Um, it's such is a center that has is a multidisciplinary center where you have a combination of energy experts and statisticians, engineers, accountants, finance experts, lawyers, and all um, civil engineers. With combination of different stakeholders in the energy sector having uh, coming together to um, get a holistic solution to the energy problems of um, Nigeria, basically, and um, globally, too. Wow. So I've been in energy for a long time, and I've never, it's only been the last six months that I've realized there's legal aspects to the, uh, to the energy world. You know, 
when I when I when I think of uh, legal people, I think of the commercial aspects regarding, you know, contracts and, and things like that. Where does where does the law fit into energy? Um, interestingly, you know, the law is everywhere, everywhere. Like, and um, you can't actually run away from the law because of the rule that it plays in every sector mm-hmm. of um, industry. For instance, um, in the energy sector, basically, energy itself from inception has to do with contracts. You have investors, you have engineers, you have everybody. They are bound by contracts. Mm -hmm. That's why you have the power purchase agreements, the vesting interest, and all sorts of um, the um, all sorts of contracts that people go, stakeholders go into before they kickstart projects. So that alone is basic. Now, when you talk about law in relation to energy, beyond the contract, you're talking about regulation, you're talking about policies, and these are drivers of every other thing that happens. We have, when you set, um, you have regulation setting standard for equipment, for the infrastructure, you have um, policies as to tariffing, how to charge um, electricity tariff, whether it is renewable or it is conventional uh, fossil fuel and all that. So the law is just everywhere and it is necessary to um, drive the any sector properly. So when you have a sector that is properly regulated with good laws, then you get to see that it is and then such law is also implemented because i'm from nigeria and basically if you attend any seminar in nigeria the first thing you hear is that we have good laws but they are not implemented so it is not just enough to just have the laws if you have the laws and then they are implemented and due process is done then you have a smooth running and a seamless system so that is where the law comes in in energy comes in form of regulation. Also, it also sets policy. For instance, um, when you have, um, there are policies and regulations that are investment friendly, they attract direct foreign investors, uh, and right. countries, those are function of the law. If the law does not protect investors, then you see um, there won't be developments because no foreigner would want to come invest in an insecure economy when there are no regulations um, protecting yeah. their investments. Then Ridwa, um, so who would be your particular client? Who are you preparing this, this uh, the contracts and this work for? Do you have particular clients that you do this for? Yeah. Um, for instance, you have in Nigeria where I practice, you have... Um, investors coming to invest you can have contracts drafted for the investor and then the investee so um also you you also have those um power purchase agreement whereby you they already have an infrastructure on ground and they are ready to kick start um production of electricity and then they are looking for buyers the power purchase agreements, the vesting and um, the vesting 
and contracts too, which is because, you know, Nigeria has this bulk purchaser known as embeds. Embed purchases because um, some of the discos, that's distribution companies, are not credit worthy. So generators, power generators do not want to sell directly to the distribution companies. So there is a government um, facility that buys from, from generators and sells to distribution companies. So the contract between the, um, the bulk purchaser and then the disco is known as vesting interest. Those mm. are the kind of contracts that, that we, we draft. And then beyond that, I am a policy advocate. I advocate for um, policies to be implemented, to be drafted, to be implemented in order to make the system work. For instance, um, while rounding up my master's, one of the requirements is a research project. And my topic was um, introduction of um, automation regulation, a panacea to the Nigerian electricity tariff crisis. There has been a lot of um, losses, especially commercial losses, which is mostly at the collection end between the distributors and the final consumers. So um, I am of the opinion that the information, there's an asymmetric line of information in, in the Nigerian electricity sector, which leaves consumers in the dark. And once they are in the dark, they do not trust the system. And so they do not want to pay. Even though it costs the country so much to generate electricity, I think when converted to dollars or to pounds, Nigeria is one of the countries that pay the lowest electricity tariff. Right. Yeah. It's just that the economy is not so robust to support the um, citizens to be able to pay this tariff that looks seemingly low. Mm -hmm. So it actually looks so high because of how low the economy is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I just feel like if we have robust economic policies driving the economy, then um, we will be better off and we'll have less um, crisis in the uh, electricity sector and the country as a whole. So I am not just into drafting contracts. I advocate for, for policies and I also advocate for the environment. I don't know if you go check my LinkedIn, you would see um, once I post about the environment, I sometimes I go out on voluntary um, volunteering activities to clean up and do all that because I believe that if we have no environment to live on, nothing else will matter. So we need to protect the environment. Mm. It's bizarre. You are answering the questions before I've even asked them. <laughs> I was gonna, <laughs> I was gonna ask you the question. So I was gonna go on. So, so I always say energy, the energy uh, sphere that we're in is uh, broken down into three areas. So I always say the supply side, energy management, and the environment. So I always break it out. And you've you've touched on both those points. So you you do your legal work around um, the supply side and distribution, et cetera. And you, you're touching on the policy regarding the environment. Now, I'm just going to pick up on the other point, which is energy management. Do you get involved in 
legislation and policy around energy management and saving that energy? Uh, basically, um, I, I rounded up my master's last year. And you know how COVID happened and destabilized the whole um, the whole globe. Things didn't go as planned. So I basically delved into energy law from 2019 when I went for my master's. So I haven't had um, a long stay in the energy sector to have been able to affect those things I'm passionate about. However, um, through my project, I hope to publish articles that I hope get the kind of attention that it requires to be able to push um, those policies forward and then um, possibly start seeing um, the changes. So I haven't done much yet, but I am on that um, process of capacity building right now and then writing articles and doing as much as I can given my pres present capacity and resources um, within my reach. And you know, if you um, understand Nigeria, Nigeria is um, described most times as a um, hesitant reformer. When you have um, policies, when you, you're pushing for policies, for changes, it's, it doesn't come that easy, no matter how, um, how beneficial it looks so everything you have to be like connected to the right people who have the power to drive those policies or policies otherwise it's just going to be another paper if you check you will see there's been a lot of research we have a lot of great minds that have been putting forward a lot of um, work to make the system work but Somehow, if you don't have people connected in power to drive those policies, to make them materialize, then it's most times frustrating. I was opportune to, to, to um, do an internship. An internship was supposed to be an impartial, um, impartial fulfillment of my master's degree program. I did it at the Nigerian Electricity Regulatory Commission. Then, and that is the principal regulator of the Nigerian electricity sector. And um, while there, I was able to at least contribute my quota until COVID happened and destabilized the whole thing. I was really hoping to be retained there so I can fully, um, fully, fully, contribute to the policy implementation formulation and implementation but covid happened and then here we are but i'm still pushing uh, i'm still writing articles uh, when i publish any article i'll send you the link so you would yes we'd through. love to see those we'd love to see those and yeah. maybe you can publish those articles on our website um we'd be more than happy to to share those on our website that's really amazing um, wow that's interesting, yeah. I'm, I'm keen to know a little bit more about uh, Nigeria regarding the energy sector. So how many uh, utility companies are there that, that are generating and, and supplying energy to Nigeria? Um, basically, um, Nigeria Nigeria used to be, um, used to be a... The Nigerian electricity sector used to be a government utility altogether. Right. But as 
time went on and then you know how they say government is not a good businessman uh, kept running losses and all that and at a point they had to unbundle the um, they had to unbundle the electricity sector and then we have six official um, power generators six official power generators and then we have um, several other independent power generators. The six official power generators are those companies that were unbundled from the government-owned and generation company. Then we have the independent power producers, which are privately owned and generation companies. Basically, um, no matter how much they, they, they generate, it will not be able to, to um, suffice for the country because the um, infrastructure, which is a transmission grid, is aged, it has not been maintained as it should right from time. So it is aged, it's obsolete, and so it does not have the capacity to transmit the bulk of electricity that will be sufficient for the country. Yeah. So is an infrastructure problem. It is not even a generation problem per se. Mm, yeah, it, yeah. So um the transmission infrastructure that is weak and obsolete. So it's lacks the capacity to um to 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 to, to take uh, what the country requires. So that's why the best thing now is to start with um we have um to start with some off-grid generation and all that so okay so we've got these uh suppliers and generators what um percentages do you know roughly percentages of the different types of of generation so do we have solar wind aspects is it renewable renewable aspects yeah there are um there are renewable aspects, but in Nigeria, like I said, Nigeria is quite um, it's quite a big and vast. So mm. it is not like your typical African country, because most of the um the other African countries are just like let's say a state or two in Nigeria. Yeah. Nigeria, vast. We have thirty six states and um. Nigeria, include, um, including the capital, Abuja, where I live, it's um, 37, and they are quite big. Now, there are still a, there's still a large percentage of people that are off-grid, that are not, that do not have access to electricity at all. Now, when I am talking about how erratic power supply has been, the and tariff crisis and all that i am talking about those that have energy access yeah. but do not even enjoy the electricity and as such they do not feel the need to pay for it right now we have those that are now off grid those off grid and um, for the grid now they are majorly conventional energy because you know that you will actually need um, for you to seamlessly integrate renewable energy into the um into the national grid then you will need a smart infrastructure which was what um informed my my project work, work that um we need to upgrade our 
transmission infrastructure to a smart grid. So it will be very, um, it will be easier to seamlessly integrate renewable energy like solar and the rest of yeah. them. So, but right now we are majorly reliant, as far as the national grid is concerned, we are majorly reliant on the conventional energy, um, conventional and uh, this fossil fuel, and then um, the wind turbines and all that. Yeah. But we also utilize, and because even those that are connected to the grid do not have stable supply, some of them have um, solar as a backup for when um, the national grid does not supply them. So we have a lot of solar companies here and there, and more are springing up. Even I learned um, how to, to, um, to design and install um, solar panels because I felt wow. like, yeah, as a lawyer, I always had issues. I think if it were not for mathematics, I'd probably be an electrical engineer because my father is an electrical engineer. And you know, I, then, Ritwa, the more you talk, the, the more humble I'm becoming. You're you're an amazing person. That you're you know the the policy, the legal side, and now you're telling me you're, you're technically minded to be able to install and design solar systems. Yeah, because I, I actually believe in um holistic approach to solving any problems. Whereas if you just sit down and say, okay, I just want to be um in the policies and all that, when you do not have the power to drive those policies, then you can as well look for other ways of um contributing while you, you try to push towards um towards the policies. Because um if we all sit down I do not have an opportunity to really implement those policies now. So why can't I start um, with what I can do, which is learning how to um, install solar and see if I can get a place also, do some internship on how to like perfect what I've learned and all that so that we can start by helping those that are off-grid who do not have any access to electricity and as well as um, installing for those who need backup in case um, the grid fails. So I actually, it was quite interesting. I had to learn the mathematics. It wasn't so easy, but um, I have just come to realize that and when there's a real there, you can find a way. So um, where the countries situated within Africa, you've got other countries around you. Is there interconnectors into your country as well? Do you rely on other countries for your energy? Um, no. This is right. it. You, like I told, um, Nigeria has always um, wanted to, to have a big brother status as far as Africa is concerned. So Nigeria always comes through for um, most of these African countries when they are in crisis. So um, I think some years back, some years back, Nigeria was supplying the neighboring countries electricity when we do not wow. have electricity. And as much as that doesn't make sense that um, you are starving, but you're trying to help your neighbors who are less populated than you are, Another um, way of rationalizing that particular decision to sell energy to neighboring countries is that 
if we generate and we are, and our grid does not have the capacity to take everything, to transmit everything that has been generated. So instead of losing it, why not sell it for money to the neighboring yeah. countries who are unable to, um, to generate as much? But this is it. I, when I look around, I do not see a plan to upgrade the, um, the infrastructure in such a manner that um, the, con- um, the country can be served properly. Yeah. So if we're selling electricity to neighboring countries because our grid lacks the capacity to transmit everything, why not use proceeds from um, the sale of such to work on the grid, maintain mm-hmm. the grid, and upgrade it such that over time it should be able to transmit enough for the country because as i speak with you nigeria is doing poorly economically because of the lack of um, power you know power drives economic change and development and if i think that with the condition that nigeria is in right now I, I think um, we are resilient people and we are doing so well. We are doing better than we should actually based on the circumstance of um, everything happening. So we need an upgrade in the infrastructure. We need uh, renewable options and then we need a smart grid so that it will be easier for us to integrate renewable energy sources to the national grid. I've been doing some studies about the energy economy and um, there's the developing countries are growing significantly um, regarding their energy resilience. And when I was reading that, that must have been referring to your country specifically as well regarding that. Yeah. Um, Like I said, right now as it is, um, renewable energy has become a thing in Nigeria. Like I told you, when I went to learn how to install solar, in that class, we were about um, 50 of us. So we have 50 people in a particular institute coming to learn how to install solar. So if you have 50 professional in a class, next session, you have another 50. That's in a single institution. And we have those institutions springing up here and there. So yeah. we are in um, human resource and human cap- um, and capacity to handle the situation. It's not like Nigeria is just there sleeping on the issues. No, it is not. It's not sleeping on the issues. We are working on it. We are trying. But oftentimes I wish um, that our decisions or our actions are are actually what we need, like that we're taking the right actions because, you know, just being active, just carrying out activities does not mean progress. It has to be the kind of activities. Yeah, we need to act now. Yes. um, If we're looking at generation, we're looking at supply size, if, if we refer back to industry, so is there legislation around the, the industry of what they've got to do to make it make the energy requirements more resilient? So is there policy driving them to make energy savings? Yes. 
So um, the issue here is, like I told you, the lack of information, the asymmetric information in, in the sector has really damaged the relationship between the consumer and the distribution companies. Um, it will interest you to know that in this age and time, we still have about being fair, let's say, since I do not have data at hand right now, let me say 40% of consumers on estimated billing. Right. Now, yes, estimated because they do not have smart meters to measure their consumption. Right. Now, among the metered uh, consumers, we have a percentage that are still using analog meters, which can be easily manipulated also. The, the thing is, consumers do not understand, consumers do not understand um, the kind of resources and investment that goes into production of electricity, into generating electricity. And for that reason, they do not feel the need to pay. Oftentimes, they feel like it is a public good that the government is supposed to give us electricity. Right. Some other time, they feel like I don't have to pay the bill because this power supply was erratic. I mm. didn't enjoy power. So when, especially for those on the estimated billing, billing side, it's possible for you to have um, lights for, let's say, five hours a day. Right. And then tomorrow you have two hours the next you don't even see. So they will possibly be making reference to that one day that there wasn't a power supply to say this whole month, there wasn't any power supply for me. For that reason, I am not paying. Sometimes they go as far as, and because this, um, this estimated billing um, consumers, you don't have a means of getting your bill unless you follow them. If they don't come willingly, you have to follow them to their residence to, to take it, or you disconnect their electricity. They mm. go as far as assaulting the disco staff. And then there was a time that there was even a case of murder that consumers murdered um, a disco staff who was trying to disconnect their uh, electricity supply because, um, because they did not pay their bills. Wow. Well, you also have some of the um, disco staff, when they go to take um, electricity bills, some of them are corrupt. When they get there, they take something, just peanuts from consumer, mm -hmm. and then they just allow them enjoy electricity. So you now have consumers enjoying electricity they do not pay for because they have bribed the um, disco staff with peanuts and they have been allowed to. So mm. I... Like if consumers even understand, and oftentimes consumers just are wasteful with their usage of electricity. They refuse to use um, energy saving bulbs. They refuse to switch off their um, bulbs when they are not in use. They just leave everything. And when you ask them, they say, um, why are you wasting electricity? They'll tell you, I do not see the electricity at all. I do not see power. So when I see it, I will maximize it. At least when they bring bill, I know that, okay, when it was there, I, I maximized. So there, there is a wrong mindset about um, energy management. Yeah. Yeah, because the, the consumer 
is not carried along. I believe that if they are carried along as stakeholders and made to understand, given adequate information to understand how the entire um, system works, how the value chain works, I believe they'll be more careful about their consumption. They will be more eager to pay because they understand that in the long run, it will be beneficial to us. But yeah. because they don't understand that, they are wasteful, they don't care, they do not see themselves as a part of the solution. And I feel it is a role of um, the regulators and the distribution companies to make consumers feel among, feel like they are important, feel like they are stakeholders. Only then will they be able to cooperate and pay their bills and take the um, electricity um, sector ahead. Is there um, people within Nigeria that don't have energy at all? Yeah. That was what I was saying earlier on, that we have people who are off-grid. They don't have electricity. There are lots of villages. When you were saying off-grid, I thought you was referring to they have their own energy supply. So they they, they not even have solar or some form of their own generation, or is it just completely zero energy? Yeah, zero energy, not solar. Forgive me, I didn't realize that. Right. Yeah. So when I made mention to off-grid, those were the people I was majorly referring to. I know there are one or two um, institutions that off-grid who who generate their own electricity, but those ones are based in the the towns and the cities, basically. But I'm talking about rural dwellers. For most rural um, communities in Nigeria are without electricity. Right. Yeah, without and any electricity. And is there long-term plans to create the the supply for them? Yes, yes, there is. Um, Nigeria has a rural electrification agency, which is um, charged with the responsibility of electrifying rural areas. They've been trying and all that, and I, I give it to them. I think they are doing a great job. They are doing a great job, but you know how this thing works is about finance and um, the funds are not always uh, readily available but i can see that the will is there Mm -hmm. or most times it is and due to financial constraints that um you're unable to to like meet up and cover up um, most of the rural uh, communities but um they've been trying they've been improving when you look at uh, Nigeria within the energy space, what I'm already sensing and can see, there's significant amount of investment going into the training and development of people, which is quite admirable um, to look at within your country. So I've never seen this before where I've seen legal aspects of, you know, you're very, very educated regarding energy. And I can see that, and you're saying there's, many, many students that are coming through. And I think what your country is doing, it's training the people to bring this on and and to start addressing. So I think, as I said, we need to be watching this space regarding Nigeria, regarding the growth and the development of this. I, really yeah. think I can see that and sense that, even in your, your words and your passion, personally. 
Yeah. Um, I am highly passionate. I, I love um, electricity. I, I don't have, I don't know. It's a thing of security mm-hmm. because when I wake up knowing that there's electricity, I just feel good because it just tells me that whenever I, I need to use it, it's there. Yeah. So it's just a sense of security. Even if my bulbs are switched off and everywhere switched off, I just feel secure that I have power and anytime I need it, I can just use it. Compared to not having and then um, when you actually need it, you know you do not have power. Yeah. So my my parents used to tell me that growing up, even as a baby, I love electricity so much that it is only after I have um, gone to bed and slept off that the switch of the light, I want to see the light on before I sleep. So and imagine in a country where there is actually um, erratic power supply. Yeah, yeah. So that, like I said, if it were not for mathematics, I'll probably um, be an engineer because I love, as much as I love law very well because it's highly flexible. It gives you um, the leverage to be anywhere you want to be. I really love electricity and um which was one of the things that actually um, drove me into learning how to design and install um, solar panels. You should write that story up in your origin story of, of your passion for energy. When you was young, you used to love looking at the lights as you was going <laughs> to bed. That's an amazing little story. And would you have cried if you had some form of power cut that night? Would that oh, have made you upset? Oh, I will cry. I will cry. <laughs> I I would cry terribly. <laughs> so, then, then uh, Ridma, you've totally humbleized me today because me growing up, I've constantly, you know, I always say that energy is precious and it is precious. And us in this world, we take it for granted, you know, that, you know, I've got my lights off at the moment. Um, yeah. It's still quite light, but I'll just go and when it gets dark, I just turn the light, turn that switch and the lights will come on. And, uh, the energy within the UK is very resilient. Uh, we moan with the cost. We pay a lot of money for energy and we moan at the cost of it. Um, but just to think that, you know, you where you are then and the love of that, you call it the bulb. I've got another story. I'll pick up on that in a minute um, <laughs> regarding bulbs. Because in, in I'll tell you now, in the UK, when I was an apprentice growing up um, at the nuclear power station, if I called it... Um, a lamp, a bulb, I'll be clipped around the ear by my my trainers and they'd say to me, bulbs go in the garden, not in the ceiling to provide light. Um, so I was always told off to be called it um, um, a bulb, for instance. But you, you made me smile earlier when you mentioned that. Yeah, I, I was a baby then. I was really small. And then, you know, um, value um electricity so much because even as a student there were times that we had to read and then um there wasn't electricity you had to rely on um rechargeable lamps right. which every other time mm-hmm. and all that so there are other students that use kerosene lamps and you know the smoke that comes from there could affect their eyes and yeah. then um uh, you're not having them from reading all that sometimes you could even have power outbreaks and um, fire outbreaks i mean 
yeah, yeah. from using those because if you sleep off while using all um, sleep, yeah. Yeah, you, there are people who use candles, and then candles is actually the most dangerous because if you keep it on a wooden surface, it can just um and you're not conscious, it could just burn the whole house. Yeah. So you could have a fire outbreak from that. So um the lack of electricity is quite disadvantageous to everybody. We cannot even begin to, to talk about it. Um, to, to, to be, we can't even co- begin to quantify the disadvantages of not having a um, stable power supply. Mm. It's enormous. I've got loads of questions I want to ask you. I think, I think this podcast could go on forever. We, we need to focus on our timings. But... My, one last question is, what about batteries? Uh, is batteries big or becoming a, a known technology within your country? The batteries, right? The um, inverters. Regarding solar. So solar will be there generating energy and at the yeah. same time charging batteries. Yeah, so at night, they switch over. Yeah, um, there are batteries in, in Nigeria. We They use a lot of batteries and inverters and all that. These technologies are there. Now, um, your question brings me um, back to something that I would have loved to mention, but I think I I, I skipped earlier on. Right, okay. Regulations now all set standards of requirements for um, for batteries, for solar panels, for all those things. Now, until recently, we um that there was an upgrade in the standard of um solar batteries and solar panels that were supposed to be imported in the country. Nigeria used to be the dumping ground whereby um poorly produced batteries and solar and every other equipment are just brought in. So people buy when they buy and they install, it doesn't work. That right. particular um that particular incident made a lot of people to uh, start resenting in solar um, power because they felt like it, it wasn't strong. It wasn't worth anything. Yeah, and That is because there wasn't regulation in place to set a standard for the kind of solar panels that could be imported, the kind of batteries that would be imported, the kind of inverters. So everything and anything goes. But now with the new regulation, there is a standard. So when you import a battery and it does not meet up the standard requirements, then it will be rejected. So it's further um, shows that Nigeria is making progress. It might not be, but of course, steadily, we're making progress. Now that uh, we have a standard that has been set by uh, the Standard Organization of Nigeria, then... um, when you go to the market, you know what to expect. You know what to look out for. And when you don't see that, you could even report um, the sellers because um, they are contravening the provision of a regulation, which is punishable. Mm-hmm. So um, I think um, the batteries now, we, we can now have good ones, which will further encourage people to 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 um invest in solar electricity yeah, and bring all the confidence back into yes. the technology that's yes. brilliant then read what you absolutely amazing some of the stuff we've been discussing today um i'm 
I, I like to put my my uh, interviewee on the spot and my guests, and I'm sorry about this, but I'm sure you're <laughs> more than capable of delivering a good answer here. So yeah. is there something that you could give back to the industry today regarding a takeaway for our audience? Yes, there is something I can give away. And if um, that I can give into the industry, and that's which I can give as one, I have built capacity to design and install solar. If I'm able to do that, I have given back. Secondly, advocacy, as I advocate for the environment and um, educate people on the need to protect the environment because we all need the environment, it is a form of giving back. Also, I'll advocate for um, good policies to be formulated and implemented to take the um, industry forward, to take Nigeria forward, to take the electricity um, sector forward, to bring back a robust economy. It is a way of giving back. So these are the things that I want to do. And in the future, I would also want to be a leader so as to, because I realize that it is only when you have the power that the ball is in your court to make things happen. Yeah. Otherwise, keep lobbying here and there. And if you are if you are unable to sell properly your ideas or you have sold it properly and the person who has the power refuses to buy the idea, then it is as good as it never existed. So I would like, um, it, as a way of giving back, I would like to have access to power to be able to implement happen. Then, yeah, yeah. policy that I have. Then, Rita, that is amazing thoughts for you to have and to give back to the industry. And I'm really looking forward to watching that journey unfold. Yeah, thank you. I thank you for um, finding me worthy to be on the podcast. Totally worthy. In fact, yeah, I think I'm going to give this energy speaks back to you as of now. <laughs> I feel so humbleized. I've never been felt so humble on, on an interview. Um, and I'd like to thank you for that, for that feeling today. And I've, yeah. we've learned so much. And I hope our audience today can take away some really good points that have come across here regarding the distribution work that needs to be done, the people, the confidence, the billing. You know, we touched on many areas of, of the industry here. And I'd like to thank you for that and for sharing that today. So thank you very much. Yeah, thank you for your platform to um, air my knowledge and uh, my passion too. Brilliant. Well, yeah. I'm looking forward for the ongoing time that we're, we're going because we're, we're both on the, the Clean Energy Revolution um, group and I'm very excited about that. So thank you, Nenri, for today. Um, I'd like to say that, you know, you and your family would, you know, to be safe in these times. Yes, and I. it's good coming from you. And I also want to tell you to take care at this time to stay safe. You know, um, we keep hearing about um, the second wave, the third wave of um, the COVID-19. We shouldn't take 
any of those likely protect yourselves and uh, maintain the normal routine that has been um, set in place to keep us safe. So, thank you. Thank you for our special guest today. And thank you for our sponsors, B2B Energy, which can be found on, at b2benergy.co.uk and Clean Energy Revolution, which can also be found either through various different social media networks. Type in hashtag Clean Energy Revolution. That leaves me with one more thing to say. Be safe.